Hello, and welcome to the AMD First Quarter 2022 Earnings Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. A question and answer session will follow the formal presentation. If anyone should require operator assistance, please press star zero on your telephone keypad. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. It's now my pleasure to turn the call over to Laura Graves, Corporate Vice President of Investor Relations. Laura, please go ahead. Thank you and welcome to AMD's first quarter 2022 financial results conference call. By now, you should have had the opportunity to review a copy of our earnings press release and accompanying slides. If you have not reviewed these documents, they can be found on the Investor Relations page of AMD.com. Today we will discuss AMD first quarter results, including partial quarter contributions from the acquisition of Xilinx, which closed on February 14, 2022. We will also discuss AMD results on a standalone basis for the first quarter of 2022. We will refer primarily to non-GAAP financial measures during this call. The full non-GAAP to GAAP reconciliations are available in today's press release and in the slides posted on our website. Participants on today's conference call are Dr. Lisa Su, our Chair and Chief Executive Officer, and Devinder Kumar, our Executive Vice President, Chief Financial Officer, and Treasurer. Victor Peng, President of AMD's Adaptive and Embedded Computing Group, will also join us for Q&A. This is a live call and will be replayed via webcast on our website. Before we begin, I would like to note AMD will host its 2022 Financial Analyst Day on Thursday, June 9th, and our second quarter quiet time is expected to begin at the close of business on Friday, June 17th. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements based on current beliefs, assumptions, and expectations, speak only as of today, and as such involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from our current expectations. Please refer to the cautionary statement in our press release for more information on factors that could cause actual results to differ. With that, I would like to turn the call over to Lisa Sue. Lisa? Thank you, Laura, and good afternoon to all those listening in today. For the last several years, we have been on a journey to both scale and transform AMD. We have consistently executed our strategy, expanded our portfolio of leadership products, and diversified our business, all while driving best-in-class growth. We reached a significant inflection point in our journey during the first few months of 2022 as we took several major steps that fundamentally reshape our business. In addition to delivering record financial results, we closed our strategic acquisition of Xilinx and announced our plans to acquire Pensando. The strategic importance of the Xilinx acquisition to our long-term goals cannot be overstated. As the industry's number one provider of FPGA and adaptive computing solutions, Xilinx significantly expands our technology and product portfolio. Xilinx also adds multiple high-margin, long-term revenue streams spanning a new set of markets and customers, further strengthening and diversifying our business model. Importantly, Xilinx has successfully executed its own growth strategy in recent years with the increased adoption of adaptive silicon across data center, communications, automotive, and other large embedded markets. With Pensando, we will further expand our data center solutions capabilities. Pensando will add a proven team that has developed an industry-leading DPU and software stack already deployed with key customers, including IBM, HPE, Microsoft, Oracle, and Goldman Sachs. 
Pensando's differentiated technology further expands our product portfolio and will enable AMD to innovate at the silicon, software, and platform levels to deliver leadership solutions for our cloud, enterprise, and edge customers. Now turning to our first quarter financial performance, we started the year very strong with record quarterly revenue and net income. First quarter revenue, including the contributions from six weeks of Xilinx, grew 71% year over year to a record 5.9 billion. We expanded gross margin seven percentage points to 53% and more than doubled both operating and net income year over year. Excluding Xilinx, revenue grew 55% year over year to a record 5.3 billion. Gross margin expanded five percentage points to 51% and operating income more than doubled to a record 1.6 billion. Turning to our computing and graphics segment, revenue increased 33% year-over-year to $2.8 billion, driven primarily by the ramp of our latest Ryzen and Radeon products. High-end compute revenue grew by a strong double-digit percentage year-over-year based on higher Ryzen mobile and desktop processor sales. As a result, we believe we gained client processor revenue share for the eighth straight quarter. In desktop, we expanded our processor portfolio with the introduction of seven new Ryzen CPUs, including the Ryzen 5800 X3D CPU, which is the industry's fastest gaming CPU and first desktop processor featuring 3D stack chiplets. In notebooks, record mobile processor revenue was driven by the launch of our Rembrandt Ryzen 6000 mobile processors that extend the leadership compute, gaming, and battery life capabilities of our mobile processors. In commercial, we recently introduced our latest Ryzen 6000 Pro processors with leadership performance and battery life and modern security and manageability features. We are well positioned to accelerate our growth in commercial notebooks in 2022 based on the expanded number of design wins on track to launch. Although the PC market is experiencing some softness coming off multiple quarters of near record unit shipments, our focus remains on the premium, gaming, and commercial portions of the market where we see strong growth opportunities and we expect to continue gaining overall client revenue share. In graphics, revenue grew by a strong double-digit percentage year-over-year year with record desktop graphics channel sales. Desktop GPU sales nearly doubled year-over-year year as sales of our Radeon 6000 series graphics cards were strong. In mobile, the first notebooks featuring our latest Radeon 6000 mobile GPUs launched in the quarter, and we expect sales to ramp over the coming quarters. Data center graphics revenue was flat year over year as we launched our Instinct MI210 accelerators. We expanded our engagements with large cloud customers in the quarter and launched our Rock'em 5 software suite targeting Exascale class HPC and AI applications. Turning to our enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment, revenue increased 88% year-over-year to $2.5 billion, driven by record server, semi-custom, and embedded processor sales. Semi-custom sales grew by a significant double-digit percentage year-over-year based on strong demand for Sony and Microsoft consoles, as well as Valve's new Steam Deck. Sales for this game console generation continued to outpace all prior generations, and we expect 2022 to be a record year for our semi-custom business. 
Turning to our embedded business, revenue more than doubled year over year, led by growth in automotive. We also secured multiple design wins in next generation security and firewall devices from tier one networking providers. Turning to server, we had another record quarter as revenue more than doubled year over year and increased by a double digit percentage sequentially. We have more than doubled server processor revenue year over year in eight of the last 10 quarters, highlighting the growing demand for our Epic processors with cloud, enterprise, and HPC customers. Cloud revenue more than doubled year over year as hyperscalers expanded their internal infrastructure deployments and 70 new AMD powered instances launched from Alibaba, Amazon, Baidu Cloud, Microsoft Azure, Google, and others. There are now more than 460 AMD-based cloud instances available from the largest hyperscalers with additional instances on track to launch in the coming quarters. In enterprise, revenue more than doubled year over year with strong growth in key verticals including IT infrastructure, financial services, and database applications. Our sales pipeline continues to be very strong and we saw our win rate grow in the first quarter across a broad set of enterprise end customers. We launched our first Epic processors with 3D stacked chiplets in the quarter. This technology extends our performance leadership in technical computing workloads by up to 66% compared to our prior generation. Atos, Cisco, Dell, HPE, Lenovo, and Supermicro all launched servers featuring the new CPUs in the quarter. Excitement for our next generation Genoa server processors continues to grow as we expanded customer and partnering sampling in the quarter. We expect Genoa will be the industry's highest performance general purpose server CPU, further extending the performance, energy efficiency, and TCO advantages of our Epic processors. We remain on track to launch Genoa in the second half of the year and expect to continue our share gain trajectory based on expanded cloud, enterprise, and HPC customer adoption. In addition, development of our higher core count Bergamo processors optimized for high throughput cloud workloads continues to progress well, with shipments on track to begin in the first half of 2023. Turning to the Xilinx business, for the six weeks following acquisition close, Xilinx revenue was $559 million. On a pro forma basis for the full quarter, Xilinx delivered its fourth straight quarter of greater than 20% year-over-year revenue growth and the second straight quarter of greater than $1 billion of revenue. In data center, first quarter demand was led by expanded FPGA as a service and SmartNIC deployments at Tier 1 hyperscalers, as well as low latency networking solutions with fintech companies. We saw strength in communications led by wired demand in access and optical transport. In wireless, Versal-based 5G deployments continue ramping in multiple regions, and we secured a strategic design win with a Tier 1 communications equipment provider to power their next-gen baseband solutions with the Versal ACAP solution. We saw strong demand across the Xilinx embedded markets, led by record pro forma full-quarter revenue in automotive, industrial, vision and healthcare, and consumer. Looking forward, we see very strong demand across all of the Xilinx end markets and are focused on increasing supply. Turning to our integration work, in the first few months since close, we have seen tremendous excitement from our customers, partners, and employees, and we expect to see significant product and revenue synergies. 
We now have the best portfolio of high-performance and adaptive computing engines in the industry, and we see multiple opportunities to leverage our expanded technology portfolio to deliver even stronger products. As one example, we're integrating Xilinx's differentiated AI engine across our CPU product portfolio to enable industry-leading inference capabilities with the first products expected in 2023. We have also identified significant additional revenue synergy opportunities with some of our largest customers as we can now address a larger portion of their compute needs with our expanded product portfolio. In summary, the start of 2022 is a significant inflection point for AMD, marked by record top and bottom line financial results driven by our leadership product portfolio and strong execution and the close of our Xilinx acquisition. We have now delivered greater than 45% year-over-year revenue growth for seven straight quarters and increased net income by more than 60% year-over-year for the last 10 quarters. Based on higher AMD organic growth, as well as the addition of Xilinx with strong demand across multiple end markets, we now expect annual revenue to grow by approximately 60% year-over-year, up from approximately 31% growth we guided at the beginning of the year. Longer term, I'm incredibly excited about our additional growth opportunities as we add the Xilinx and Pensando teams. We now see a significantly larger TAM opportunity for AMD across a diverse set of end markets based on our broader portfolio of leadership compute engines and expanded solutions capabilities. I look forward to sharing more about the products and technologies that will enable the next stage of our growth journey at Financial Analyst Day in June. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Devinder to provide some additional color on our first quarter financial performance. Devinder? Thank you, Lisa, and good afternoon, everyone. The first quarter was an excellent start to the year with strong demand for our leadership products, resulting in record quarterly revenue, continued gross margin expansion, record profitability, and record cash flow generation. In addition, we are very pleased to have closed the Xilinx transaction and announced our intention to acquire Pensando. First quarter consolidated revenue was $5.9 billion, up 71% from a year ago, driven by significant growth across all businesses and the inclusion of Xilinx revenue for the partial period. Excluding the Xilinx contribution, AMD revenue was $5.3 billion, up 55% from a year ago, with data center revenue doubling year over year. Gross margin was 53%, up 660 basis points from a year ago, driven by higher server processor revenue and high margin Xilinx revenue. Gross margin for AMD, excluding Xilinx, was 51%, up 480 basis points year over year, primarily driven by higher server processor revenue. Operating expenses, for 1.3 billion compared to 830 million a year ago as we increase investments in our long-term product roadmaps to support the future growth of our business. Operating income more than double from a year ago to a record 1.8 billion, up 1.1 billion, primarily driven by significant revenue growth and higher gross margin. Operating margin was 31% up from 22% a year ago. Net income was a record 1.6 billion, up 947 million from a year ago. 
diluted earnings per share was $1.13 per share compared to $0.52 cents per share a year ago. Now, turning to first quarter business segment results. Computing and graphics segment revenue was $2.8 billion, up 33% year-over-year, driven by higher client and graphics processor revenue. Computing and graphics segment operating income was $723 million, or 26% of revenue, compared to $485 million, or 23% of revenue a year ago. The increase in operating income was driven primarily by higher revenue, partially offset by higher operating expenses. Enterprise embedded and semi-custom segment revenue was $2.5 billion, up 88% from $1.3 billion in the prior year. The strong revenue increase was driven by higher server, semi-custom, and embedded revenue. EESC segment operating income grew significantly to $881 million, or 35% of revenue, compared to $277 million, or 21% of revenue, a year ago. The higher operating income and margin were driven by increased revenue, richer product mix, and an $83 million licensing gain. Xilinx revenue for the partial quarter was $559 million, with operating income of $233 million, or 42% of revenue. On a pro forma basis for the full quarter, Xilinx generated over $1 billion of revenue, up 22% compared to a year ago, with growth, growth across all Xilinx major and market categories. We are on track to achieve our cost synergy goals for the acquisition and expect the addition of Xilinx to be accretive to non-GAAP earnings per share for 2022. Turning to the balance sheet, cash, cash equivalents, and short-term investments were $6.5 billion at the end of the first quarter. We deployed $1.9 billion to repurchase common stock in the first quarter. To date, we have utilized $3.7 billion of our initial $4 billion stock repurchase program. We also announced a new $8 billion share repurchase program during the quarter. In total, we had $8.3 billion in remaining authorization at the end of the first quarter. Quarterly free cash flow was a record $924 million compared to $832 million in the same quarter last year and $736 million in the prior quarter. We successfully executed a five-year, $3 billion sustainability-linked credit facility to replace our existing $500 million facility. This further demonstrates our commitment to our corporate ESG goals. Inventory was $2.4 billion, up $476 million from the prior quarter due to the addition of Xilinx inventory. Before I turn to our financial outlook, let me cover our financial segment reporting. Beginning with the second quarter of fiscal 2022, we plan to change our segment reporting to the following four segments, data center, client, gaming, and embedded, which will align our financial reporting with our strategic end markets. I look forward to sharing further details with you at our financial analyst day. Today's outlook is based on current expectations and contemplates the current global supply environment 
and customer demand signals. For the second quarter of 2022, we expect revenue to be approximately 6.5 billion plus or minus 200 million, an increase of approximately 69% year over year and approximately 10% quarter over quarter. The year over year increase is expected to be driven by the addition of Xilinx revenue plus higher server, semi custom, and client revenue. The quarter over quarter increase is expected to be primarily driven by Xilinx revenue plus higher server revenue. In addition, for Q2 2022, we expect non GAAP gross margin to be approximately 54%, non GAAP operating expenses to be approximately 1.56 billion or 24% of revenue, non-GAAP interest expense taxes and other to be approximately 270 million based on the 13% effective tax rate, and the diluted share count to be approximately 1.64 billion shares. For the full year 2020, we now expect revenue to be approximately 26.3 billion, an increase of approximately 60% driven by Xilinx and higher server and semi-custom revenue. We expect non-GAAP gross margin to be approximately 54%, non-GAAP operating expenses to be approximately 24% of revenue, non-GAAP effective tax rate to be 13%, and non-GAAP cash tax rate to be approximately 10%, due primarily to U.S. tax requirement to capitalize R&D and the full utilization of our U.S net operating losses and tax credits in 2022. Fiscal year 2022 will be a 53-week year and include an additional week in the fourth quarter. In closing, we had an excellent start to 2022 with strong revenue growth across all businesses. We are pleased to have completed the Xilinx acquisition which strengthens our business model with revenue diversification, accretive gross margin, and increased cash generation. We are very delighted to welcome the Xilinx team to AMD. Looking ahead, AMD is very well positioned for long-term growth, margin expansion, and cash generation driven by our leadership products and roadmaps. With that, I will turn the call back over to Laura to begin the Q&A portion of our call. Laura? Thank you very much, Devinder. Operator, we're ready to go ahead and begin our first question. Thank you. As a reminder, if you'd like to be placed in the question queue, please press star one on your telephone keypad. We ask you to please ask one question, one follow-up, then return to the queue. Our first question today is coming from Matt Ramsey from Cowan. Your line is now live. Um, thank you very much, everybody. Good afternoon. Um, congratulations, um, Lisa, on obviously getting Xilinx closed and, and the strong results. Um, I, I guess there's, there's a lot going on from a macro perspective um, in, in the markets that you serve and in the supply chains, Lisa. So, I mean, the first half of the year, I think you're doing, I don't know, 54, 55% organic growth in the first quarter. Um, maybe you could talk me through a bit the, the puts and takes in the quarter. I think there's a perception that um, you have additional supply coming online. There's obviously supply constraints and lockdowns in China. Um, your server business doing extraordinarily well in the numbers that you just printed. Um, and then maybe some perception of a, of a softening in the PC market. So um, there's, there's a lot going on, and, and I'd, I'd kind of love you to walk me through the puts and takes of the quarter, if you could. Thank you. 
Yeah, absolutely, Matt. Uh, thanks for the question. So uh, we did have a very strong uh, first quarter. Um, there is a lot going on, uh, without a doubt, in the business. Um, I would say, you know, if you look at the strength in our business in the first quarter, it was really broad-based. So uh, very, very strong server results. Um, we continue uh, to gain share. We continue to bring more supply online. Um, there um, also a very strong uh, results in our um, semi-customer game console business as well as in the in the client and graphics businesses. Um, you know there is some softness um, in the PC market, but uh, you know we had for the last um, number of quarters actually been shifting our mix um, to the uh, higher end or the pr more premium segments um, of the PC market, and so that's where more of our exposure is. And um, we actually saw a significant growth um, in our PC business uh, sequentially as we uh, started ramping our Ryzen 6000 notebooks, and um, you know, that uh, resulted in you know, strong, um, strong ASP growth as well as just uh, you know, our key market segments of premium uh, commercial and, and um, gaming uh, being covered there. You know, as we um, go forward, obviously, um, all of the things that you talked about are in play. Um, that being the case, I think we've you know managed through the supply uh, situations uh, you know uh, very well. Uh, we continue to work with our customers and ensure that you know we're optimizing you know our builds to their builds. And um, with the addition of, of Xilinx, we also have um, another set of end markets that um, have very strong demand um, that are um, all additive to um, to our business. Thank you for that, Lisa. I, I um, appreciate all the color. Um, I guess the, as my follow-up question, I wanted to, to examine the, the full-year guidance that you've given. Um, obviously, it includes Xilinx, so it's a little bit apples and oranges from last year. But um, I, I think in, in the press release, you guys mentioned that you expect some upside from the original 31% organic growth guidance. If you have any comments on magnitudes there, that would be helpful. And I think just um, what investors would love to hear from you is, is maybe your view on, on the data center capex spending environment and, and also on the PC market. I think you guys have been maybe a bit more conservative than some of your competition in, in your market commentary about PCs maybe being flattish coming into this year. I, I, I imagine there's some new puts and takes to that. So just some thoughts on how you guys constructed the, the guidance for the year, especially relative to the original 31% would be really helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, so lots of <laughs> lots of questions in there, Matt. So um, let, let me try to go through them. So first, on the uh, full year 2022 guide, uh, you know, it is a, um, a significant um, increase in guidance, up 60%. Um, there are a couple pieces to that. Um, on the organic side of the um, AMD business, uh, we originally guided up 31% based on what we saw in the market um, in January. Uh, as we look at the market now uh, and our own, you know, sort of customer and, and supply situation, um, we see that organic growth higher um, into the mid-30s. That's primarily driven by, um, you know, very strong demand in our server business, uh, very strong demand in our um, console or semi-custom business, additional supply coming online. Uh, we have taken a bit more of a conservative perspective on the PC market. Again, I think the softness is in uh, certain parts of the market. It's not in all parts of the market. And, um, you know, our focus is on where uh, we add the most value in the market, and that is, the, that is in the premium segments. Um, in terms of the Xilinx um, piece of it, uh, the full-year addition, of, you know, three and a half quarters of Xilinx is a significant add. Um, on a pro forma basis, uh, the Xilinx business is also growing very well, and it's growing, you know, sort of like in the low 20s uh, if you consider, you know, full-year compared to uh, 
uh, calendar year uh, 2021. So overall, I think we have a lot, a broad base um, set of growth drivers and multiple levers for growth as we go through the year. And, you know, we continue to um, work on uh, working with our customers on, you know, where the demand is and ensuring that we're satisfying that demand. Really appreciate the caller, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Toshia Hari from Goldman Sachs. Your line is now live. Thank you for taking the question, and congrats on the strong results and, and completing the acquisition as well. Um, I had two questions uh, myself. I guess first on the supply chain situation, Lisa, um, obviously there's a lot going on in terms of uh, wafer supply and, and substrates and now, now the China lockdowns. Um, what are some of the bigger pain points for, for you and, and to the extent the China lockdowns are impacting your business directly or indirectly, um, are, are you assuming any impact to, to revenue and profitability in the second quarter? Uh, sure, Toshia. Thanks for the question. So um, on the supply environment, you know, we've, we've been working on this really for the last 18 months. Uh, we've made um, a lot of progress um, on um, both the wafer side and, and significant investments on the substrates. Um, I would say that, you know, we, we continue to get, um, you know, sort of very good support from our suppliers. That's one of the reasons we can increase our guidance um, the way it is. Uh, from a um, overall, uh, you mentioned the China COVID situation. Um, from our standpoint, uh, we haven't had any significant impact on our own shipments and our own supply chain. Uh, we have been working with some customers that have had some, you know, customer build delays, and, you know, that is contemplated um, in our second quarter guidance. Uh, we're going to continue to work on supply optimization, um, you know, with the addition of Xilinx, um, you know, some of the, uh, let's call it more mature nodes, 16 nanometer and above uh, wafer supply is still uh, somewhat constrained. Uh, we're working with sort of the larger scale of AMD to try to bring more supply on board there, um, as well as continuing, you know, to ramp, um, you know, our overall uh, capacity to support um, a very strong, you know, sort of, um, you know, next few quarters. Hopefully that answered your, your supply questions. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, and then my second um, question, my follow-up question was on, on the data center business. It, it's great to hear that you're, um, you've decided to, to re-segment your, your business, so, so thank you for that. Um, curious uh, how, how meaningful data center um, was as a percentage of revenue in the quarter, um, server CPU, data center GPU, and now FPGAs from, from Xilinx. And I guess more importantly, how are you thinking about the, the medium to long-term opportunity in, in both your classic data center GPU business as well as the FPGA business. I think in data center GPU, you, you mentioned that it was flat in the quarter, but you also talked about being engaged with, with more cloud customers. So, so curious what you're seeing there. And then on the FPGA side, I think Victor and team, um, you know, prior to, to the deal announcement was pretty vocal about um, the long-term growth uh, opportunity there as well. So any update from your perspective would be great. Thank you. Right. Okay. So um, again, a few pieces to that. Let me um, let me try to give you some color, and then maybe Victor will add on um, on the FPGA side. So in terms of uh, yes, we are going to change um, our segment reporting, as Devinder said, as of uh, the second quarter to um, to be uh, to give you to more alignment to the markets. Um, in terms of this quarter, for the pieces that you mentioned um, on higher revenue, the the data center for those pieces was um, let's call it low 20s percentage of our overall revenue. Um, and then in terms of the longer term, you know, data center picture, uh, we are incredibly excited about the opportunity in data center. You know, when you look at the pieces we have now, I mean, the the CPU franchise is. A 
a very strong, you know, continuing to get stronger. Uh, we're excited with how Genoa looks and how Bergamo looks and sort of the engagements uh, with customers there. Uh, we're excited about the GPU uh, portfolio as well. You know, GPUs for us are a longer-term, um, you know, sort of roadmap um, similar to uh, what we did on the CPU side. Uh, we had been more focused on let's call it supercomputing and HPC, so that was strong for us last year, and that's why we're flattish. Uh, year on year. We're very engaged on the AI front now, continuing our investments in our software stack and uh, working with cloud guys to optimize um, our software stack. And then moving on to FPGAs and then also our um, um, adaptive SOCs and then uh, the, um, uh, the Pensando acquisition. I think what we now have is just an incredibly strong portfolio when we're dealing with, you know, whether you're talking about the largest cloud hyperscalers or you're talking about enterprise, and then uh, with Pensando and Xilinx, it also gives us um, exposure to the edge um, as well. And so between, you know, we have all the compute engines and are able to optimize that. So I, I think you should um, expect to hear a lot more from us um, in the data center, uh, certainly is um, at our financial analyst day, but um, you know, really, uh, you know, strong opportunities there. Maybe, maybe Victor, you want to add on? Some? Yeah, I think you covered well. The only thing I would add is just again, I think not only do we have a really broad portfolio of all the compute engines, but we're doubling down on the networking side, right? Since we had strength um, in that in SmartNIC, and uh, then with Pensando, you know, the kind of solutions that we could provide to customers in the overall infrastructure, right? It's not about point things; it's about the total solution. And as you probably know, scale out and just a lot of these applications, you could be thrown by the network. So we really can optimize all this. And the customers really want optimized, customized uh, solutions. And I think that's what we could do with um, both uh, the former Xilinx SmartNIC as well as Pansano even going further. Thank you for all the details. Thank you. Thank you. Next question is coming from Vivek Aria from Bank of America. Your line is now live. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, Lisa, my first one is on the server market. Um, you know, Milan uh, helped you take and continues to help you take a lot of uh, share in the market. I'm curious, what's the state of play in front of the next-gen Genoa versus uh, the Sapphire Rapids uh, server cycle from two perspectives? First, just from the industry adoption of DDR5, you know, can that be a bottleneck to adoption of these next-generation servers? And second uh, perspective is that, you know, you will have two different flavors of Genoa with the cloud-optimized version uh, coming later. So just give us your, your sense of, you know, how this next-generation cycle uh, plays out uh, versus the very strong success you've had with Milan so far. Yeah, ab absolutely, Vivek. So, you know, the, the way I think about it is the, you know, the data center market, and you know, particularly in servers, uh, you know, people are getting much more optimized for workloads, and so there are different flavors. And you know, we see that even in Milan today with Milan and our you know Milan X, um, you know X3D, sort of the the um, uh, the X3D we introduced. And so um, I think it's natural for these solutions to sit side by side. I think as you go into you know Genoa, the next generation, um, uh, the next generation platform, uh, we would expect, again, the, the adoption, there's a lot of excitement on Genoa, and there's a lot of customer demand for Genoa. I do expect that Genoa will sit, you know, again, side by side with Milan for um, quite some time, uh, because, you know, you're not going to move the infrastructure instantaneously um, over. And then when you think about Bergamo, which is the cloud optimized, I think that will be more specific 
uh, for specific um, large hyperscalers who have the need for, let's call it a more uh, performance per dollar, performance per watt solution. So um, the way to think about this, Vivek, is as our business has grown, we can invest more broadly, and um, that'll give us uh, you know, just a more optimized solution for our customers' TAMs. Very helpful. And then, Lisa, my second question, kind of two or three interrelated question on the PC uh, market. So what is your new sense of what the PC TAM uh, can be this year versus what you thought uh, before? And then I think as, as part of that, your competitors have has mentioned several times that they are back in the market uh, with, with Alder Lake and they are taking a lot of share. So I'm wondering what, what you have seen there. And, and then finally, uh, what's your share in the commercial market today versus what it was uh, last year? So just something on TAM, you know, competition and, and commercial exposure. Thank you. Sure. Uh, so, Vivek, when we, you know, kind of started the year, we were thinking that the PC TAM um, could be flat to, you know, let's call it down, um, let's call it, you know, low, mid-single digits. I think given, you know, sort of how we've started this year and then some of the other things in the market, um, um, we're taking a more conservative approach to the PC TAM. So for our modeling for the full-year guidance, we're modeling something like down high single digits. Um, now, you know, a lot of things can happen between now and then, so I, I would say that I think that's a, a good place for us to model. Um, within that, uh, we've always uh, been very focused on, you know, where we can add the most value and the premium segments. You know, Ryzen 6000, our Rembrandt product, is extremely well positioned uh, from a, a battery life or performance standpoint. Uh, we have a number of commercial, um, you know, very, um, you know, very good systems that are in the process of being launched. I think we're excited about that. You know, to your question about commercial share, uh, we're still underrepresented in the commercial market, and we know that, and that's, um, that's a focus area for us. Um, I think overall, from a market share standpoint, uh, you know, we believe we're focused in the right segments. And so even under the backdrop of, let's call it, um, a, uh, a softer PC market that we will, um, you know, we can uh, continue to expect to gain revenue share um, in the process, and you know that's that's sort of our overall strategy. But I think the the other piece of it is, you know, we have so many levers in the business now as we go forward. I think the um, you know the strength in the business is, um, you know, really you know looking at the overall you know data center portfolio, the PC portfolio, the gaming portfolio, and the Xilinx portfolio together. Um, there are lots of levers for growth, and um, as we go through this year, you know, we see that being a very uh, very helpful. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Stacey Razgon from Bernstein Research. Your line is now live. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. So my first one, I, I wanted to ask about data centers. So it, it more than doubled last year and more than doubled again this quarter. Do you guys have the supply available to double that business again for the full year? Like if, if you can get the – and I guess if, if the supply is there, like do you think it can be fulfilled? Yeah, so Stacy, I think the data center business, um, particularly the server CPU business, um, continues to be very strong for us. You know, I'm not going to proclaim a, a certain, you know, will, uh, you know, will it double every quarter? I will say that we expect to grow very strongly over the next few quarters, and we are continuing to bring on additional supply uh, to do that. Um, the demand is there. And uh, it really is, you know, about continuing to work with our customers on that. But I think our, our you know, confidence level in data center growth is very high. Thank you. Um, for my follow-up, I wanted to ask just a quick question on PC. So in the context of a PC market TAM that you see down or modeling down high single digits, 
given your mixed shifts and your share gains, do you think you can actually grow your client revenues year over year in 2022 for the full year? Uh, yes, Stacy. We, 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 um, you know, we are expecting that uh, we will grow client revenues on a year-over-year basis um, in that time env- environment. And uh, you know, we continue to mix shift to, let's call it, the more premium segments. And so um, you know, it's a revenue share statement. Mm-hmm. Got it. But fair to say much more of the year-over-year revenue growth is things like servers and, and uh, putting, putting Xilinx aside for a minute data center and servers and, and consoles more than client? Um, yes, that, that is true. But our, our, our expectation, though, is, you know, again, we have a number of growth drivers in the business, um, but the, you know, in terms of what um, has allowed us to increase the full-year guide, um, from an organic standpoint, it is, um, you know, a strong visibility in server, strong visibility on the console side, strong visibility, um, you know, just from a, uh, you know, overall, you know, supply and, and demand uh, perspective. Got it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next question is coming from Aaron Rakers from Wells Fargo. Your line is now live. Yeah, thanks uh, for taking the questions. I'll, I'll stick to two if I can. Um, I guess my first question is we think about the, the server market and your share gains. But more importantly, we also think about the proliferation or expansion of the product portfolio. I'm curious of just what you're seeing from a competitive perspective and your, your, your thoughts around continuing to mix higher in terms of the server market, you know, thinking about the blended ASP trends uh, in your server business. How, how should we think about that as we think about Milan X, Genoa, you know, I guess Bergamo thereafter, just that trend looking forward? Yeah, so, um, you know, Aaron, obviously it depends on the mix between cloud and enterprise, but in general, as we offer more value, you know, let's call it more performance, uh, more capability, uh, you know, we would expect our ASPs to mix up. And, you know, in every, any given quarter, it's it's more of a, you know, what is the cloud versus enterprise mix. But, look, I, I'm very pleased with the fact that we're, bro- we're glo- growing both cloud and enterprise, um, you know, very substantially. So I think that tells you that we're growing in a, um, across um, the entire um, server market. And, you know, we're going to continue to, um, let's call it optimized products so that, uh, you know, one, our customers get more capability and, and we get more value for our technology. Yep. And, and then the second quick question is, you know, on the capacity discussion, I'm curious, as you bring Xilinx into the model, you know, you scale the business, you know, going forward, how could we think about, you know, flexibility from a perspective of capacity? You know, if PCs slow down, can can your capacity be fungible and move that capacity over to servers or even Xilinx capacity into server CPUs? I'm just curious of how how we should think about that, that, that ability to mix across product segments as you think about your, your wafer capacity, uh, uh, you know, agreements. Yeah, um, Aaron, the way to think about that is, um, so, you know, both the Xilinx portfolio and, you know, sort of the organic AMD portfolio do use TSMC, so uh, uh, we are um, complementary there as our our primary wafer supplier. We use very similar substrate suppliers as well. Um, You know, the Xilinx portfolio tends to be on more mature nodes, um, although there is some 7 nanometer. uh, The majority of the portfolio is on 16 nanometer and above. So I would say there's not that much uh, fungibility there. Um, however, on the, on the back end, on the substrate side, there is very good fungibility um, across uh, the portfolio. And, you know, from a, the standpoint of overall supply, um, I think you've, you know, heard it from Devinder. I mean, we have invested um, significantly over the last 18 
months in, um, you know, sort of securing the supply and capacity, and we're seeing it come online. And that's, you know, again, you know, what I'd like to do is, you know, as you see it come online, that's when, you know, it'll go into um, our uh, revenue forecast. Uh, but I feel very good about the progress that we're making, and you know we're we're continuing to dimension the company for um, just a much larger business, and so it's it's a lot of supply that we're bringing online. Uh, we're working very much with Victor and his team as well because he has um, you know strong backlog and strong demand, and we're uh, we're looking to use all of the AMD assets to um, to also accelerate um, you know some of his um, some of his builds. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Harlan Sir from J.P. Morgan. Your line is now live. Good afternoon and congratulations on the solid results in closing the acquisition. Um, Lisa, you know, the team has done a great job of supporting all the major enterprise workloads on your latest generation Epic and driving strong wins on the enterprise side with all of the OEM server guys out there. I'm just wondering how much of the strength in the server business is being driven by the strong enterprise design win traction? And given your pipeline of wins and orders, how big will enterprise be as a percent of your server business maybe exiting this year? Yeah, so um, Harlan, uh, thanks. So we've made, um, uh, you know, we've made great progress on the cloud side. So we have strong adoption on internal as well as external facing workloads. Um, we've also made strong progress on the enterprise. I mean, as, um, as you said, all major OEMs um, have um, Epic throughout the portfolio. And in this past quarter, and in general, we've grown the enterprise business about at the same pace um, as the cloud business. We're still cloud-weighted, but I, you know, I believe that you know, it's going to be um, you know, fairly balanced growth um, across, uh, across both portfolios. Perfect. And then maybe a question for, for you or for Victor. But you know, when I think about the embedded markets, auto, industrial, aerospace, and defense, comm, infrastructure, consumer, just given the strong market position here by Xilinx, I mean, they're in a good position to catalyze Epic Attach, to catalyze Ryzen Attach to their FPGA solution. So maybe Victor can help us understand, like, what percentage of Xilinx FPGA solutions in the embedded market sits next to either an x86 or high-performance ARM processor? Because I think that the processor opportunity in embedded is much larger than the FPGA opportunity. And I believe that embedded is a pretty small percentage of overall business for AMD, so pretty big opportunity, but wanted to get your views. Yeah, maybe I'll take this one. Um, I, I, I agree with you, actually. You know, one of the things that, uh, many things that's really exciting since we joined AMD is we've done some customer visits, and they're really excited about exactly that point. Uh, you know, there, we, we have a broader portfolio, and, you know, in processors and even in, in some areas, in the GPUs, it's also um, you know, great interest. Uh, the embedded business at AMD has been selling APUs and, uh, and, and embedded versions of both the server as well as the client kind of products. And now with the, uh, you know, FPJs and um, adaptive SOCs we have, we really can give a much more complete solution. And so that is definitely on, on the menu of things in terms of uh, revenue synergies, which we'll discuss more at the financial analyst day. But, yeah, we're really excited about what we have, even with the existing products. And then, you know, we, we're, we're already working on our roadmap for, you know, creating more value going forward. So it's a um, great observation. <laughs> great. Thank you. Thanks, Harlan. Thank you. Our next question today is coming from Mark Lapesis from Jeffries. Your line is now live. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, Lisa, I, I think 
um, you know, maybe an easier way for investors to have thought about AMD historically, particularly more recently, is you know, you've been successful in, in uh, delivering, uh, you know, server CPUs for data processing in the data center. And I, I think people, uh, or at least I have thought about Xilinx historically doing, you know, networking and communications solutions um, uh, for base stations as, as well as uh, as data centers, and, and, and they've kind of moved into this adaptive computing mode where they're, where they're doing more data processing also. And I wonder, um, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, you've seen other uh, companies with general purpose computing solutions, you know, um, kind of added communications capability um, and um, and I'm I'm wondering um, is is there an opportunity for more data processing at the at the network edge like say at the base station where where Xilinx has uh, historically um, uh, been really strong and do you think the the solutions the architecture that you would have at the at the base station for you know the combination of data and communications network processing do you think that ultimately it looks very similar to what you see you know, deep in the uh, hyperscale uh, data centers, uh, deep in the cloud? Yeah, sure, Mark. So um, I think the answer is yes, and maybe I'll, I'll generalize, it, generalize it a bit more. You know, I, we're you know, a big believer. I mean, the whole strategy behind AMD is to have um, the best sort of compute engines and then put them together, uh, you know, in, in – uh, you know, sort of in solutions for uh, specific end markets. So, you know, I think our CPUs, GPUs, the FPGAs, the adaptive SOCs, and then the DPU that we're adding from Pensando um, give us just a tremendous range of capability. So um, to your specific question, you know, in, you know, sort of comms infrastructure, I, I definitely think there's a strong opportunity there. Um, you know, as Victor mentioned, uh, we've been um, to a number of, you know, um, our joint large customers and there is um, absolute interest in um, trying to put these uh, solutions together. And, you know, more broadly, though, you know, I think um, what we see in terms of growth going forward, that there, there will be more customization around solutions for, large, uh, for these large customers, whether it's uh, cloud customers or large telcos um, or um, even some edge um, opportunities. And having these compute engines, uh, will allow us um, to basically optimize uh, those uh, solutions together. So, um, you know, we look forward to telling you, you know, sort of a lot more about, you know, sort of how we're thinking about these um, these uh, these roadmaps um, as we go into our financial analyst day um, in um, in June. And if a follow up, if I may, um, how as you as you develop those uh, more customized solutions for your for your larger customers, how important is it to um, have a have your own software ecosystem uh, versus, uh, you know, to kind of pull everything together versus uh, to kind of rely more on the, the open source community or, you know, other players for that, that software layer uh, to sit on top of that. Uh, that's all I had. Thank you. Yes, Mark. So the software, uh, you know, is very, very important. And, you know, software across all of those engines is important. And, um, you know, Xilinx comes with a, a very strong, um, you know, software stack. We have our own software stack. You'll see us, you know, unify them, and and that will be a important part of our roadmap, uh, you know, going forward. And you know, to your open source point, 
we do believe in open source. You know, we, we think collaboration is an important part of the ecosystem as well. So, you know, all of those are, are things that we are working on um, to uh, provide more complete solutions for our uh, customers. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Ross Seymour from Deutsche Bank. Your line is now live. Thanks for letting me ask a question. Congrats on a strong quarter and uh, closing the Xilinx deal. Lisa, I just, again, a lot of moving parts. You've said that a bunch of times, so forgive me if I dive into them a little bit. But as we think about your second quarter guide, I just wanted to get some of the moving parts that you're assuming there. Because uh, if I take out the Xilinx side or just give you the full quarter of it and a little bit of guidance there, it looks like the core AMD is kind of growing low single digits sequentially. Uh, you've mentioned about the PC side seeing some weakness. You've talked about that a bunch. Uh, and then the strength on the server and the semi-custom side. So any sort of color about uh, the, the puts and takes to get you that organic growth? Yeah, sure. Um, Ross, thanks for the question. So uh, for the second quarter in particular, um, the second quarter uh, guide is driven by, um, you know, sort of one is the, f uh, the full quarter of the Xilinx uh, business and, um, you know, strength in our server business uh, primarily as uh, as we see um, the second quarter. Now, there are other puts and takes. I would call them on the smaller um, you know, side of that. Um, if you recall, I mean, if you think about, you know, whether you talk about the PC business or the gaming business, they tend to be uh, more second-half weighted. So the second quarter doesn't tend to be a strong quarter um, for those businesses. And so, um, you know, that's, uh, that's not the driver of the sequential um, increase. Perfect. Now, I guess a, a similar question, a perfect segue in your answer there. When I think about the full-year guide, uh, obviously incredibly impressive. You talked about the organic increases. Uh, but it looks like, especially with that extra week, that uh, you're kind of going up low or mid to high single digits in one of those quarters and kind of flattish after that just to get to the full year. So similar sort of question. Uh, what are the puts and takes there? Is, is the PC seasonality something you're kind of leaning against a little bit relative to the, the high single-digit drop you've talked about where you guys will still grow but maybe not as fast as in years past given that, that backdrop? Uh, or is there something else that, that plateaus out in the second half? Um. I'm not sure that I see a quote-unquote plateau, Ross, so I wouldn't say that. Um, what I would say, though, is if I give you, you know, sort of the puts and takes of the second half of the year, um, the, the uh, you know, again, we expect that uh, the server business will continue to grow, um, as, uh, as we said, uh, good visibility there. Uh, we expect the console business um, to uh, grow in the second half versus the first half also. That's typical seasonality. Um, typical seasonality in PCs would also have the second half higher than the first half. I think we're modeling for a little bit sub-seasonal, uh, just given, um, you know, sort of all the puts and takes in the market there. And then we expect, you know, the Xilinx business to also grow, you know, in the second half as more supply comes online, um, you know, given the strong demand. So if you see all those, you know, pieces, I, I don't think there's a plateau. I think it's a, a you know, continued um, improvement um, as uh, – uh, as we see, you know, one strong demand and also more supply coming online in the second half of the year. Thanks for that, and apologies for the plateau word. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever apologizes to me, so that's really nice, Ross. <laughs> Operator, we'll take two more questions, please. Certainly. Our next question is coming from Timothy Arcuri from UBS. Your line is now live. Thanks a lot. Um, my first question is really around semi-custom. The you know rest of the business has been has been uh, you know asked quite a bit. So so I guess my question on semi-custom is Lisa, do you think um, that it can be a four billion dollar business this year? It sounds like it can get pretty close. You know maybe even get there. And I guess also as part of that question, 
Um, I think you were thinking next year would be an up year also for, you know, semi-custom, but given some of the consumer uncertainty, do you still think that it can be up next year? And then I had a second question. Thanks. Yeah, sure, Tim. So uh, you know, without um, going into the exact numbers, I would say the semi-custom business is a strong growth driver. Um, we have, you know, we work with these customers very closely. We have, you know, good views of where they think um, the demand is. Uh, we're still in a place, you know, if you were to look into the retail channel, you would say that um, the demand is underserved um, today in the semi-custom business. And, um, you know, their you know, real build is towards holidays. So, uh, the answer is we, we do believe that um, you know, semi-custom will be at a record uh, for us um, this year. We have more content. Um, we also have the Valve Steam Deck um, that uh, also has gotten very strong reviews and um, is, uh, is ramping as we go into the second half of the year. And then on 2023, um, I do believe that 2023 will um, be a, another strong year for semi-custom and uh, would be up. And, you know, again, if you look at the history of these ramps, it's you know, really around the fourth year. <laughs> That you see, um, you know, that you really see the business, you know, kind of hit its peak. Um, in addition to that, you know, just knowing, you know, some of the game releases that are, you know, from a software standpoint that are coming out, um, you know, there, there are, um, you know, there's, there's obviously there's a, a good lineup, there, but there's also, you know, an expected strong lineup as we go forward. So, um, yes, that's uh, that's our current view of the semi-custom business. Thanks a lot. And I guess just following up on the uh, overall server market. I know that you're not the best read because you're gaining so much market share, but there have been some comments from, you know, some of the big cloud customers about, uh, quote, moderating or, you know, slowing investment. And there's some debate about, you know, does that mean that there's going to be some slowdown in procurement of servers? So if you strip out your sort of share gain, I'm curious of your assessment of just, you know, um, overall strength in the, you know, data center market. Do you see it slowing at all, you know, later on this year or even into next year? Thanks. Um, I would say, Tim, we haven't seen that. You know, we haven't seen um, that particular phenomena. What what we do see is that uh, there needs to be good planning. So, you know, good planning with our uh, server customers and our large cloud customers. Um, and, you know, we're, we're doing that. And, you know, our planning extends beyond 2022, extends into 2023 as well. And um, from what we can see, it's, it's robust demand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our next question is coming from Brett Simpson from Arit Research. Your line is now live. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, Lisa, I wanted to get your perspective on the AI silicon markets. And, you know, you've obviously focused on HPC with the MI200, and you've got, um, you know, CPU roadmap on the server side that's, um, you know, a big, a big uh, host processor for AI. But can you share with us how we should think about AMD in the next sort of, you know, two, three years around uh, it is like AI training, uh, it is like inference, particularly with a GPU portfolio, MI300, et cetera. And, and when do you think this platform is really going to be able to sort of compete and win in the AI training and inference space? Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Let me um, start, Brett, and then I'll ask Victor to also make some comments. Um, no question, AI is a huge opportunity for us, and um, it's one where uh, we're thinking about it very holistically in terms of how we address. So, uh, you know, on the server CPU side, um, you know, a lot of inference is done um, on the server CPU side. We've been investing um, in that area. On the GPU side, uh, for both training and inference, um, there a lot of it is around the software stack, and so our focus is 
on optimizing our software stack uh, with our um, large cloud um, you know, co customers and partners. And then uh, what Xilinx brings um, to our portfolio is um, actually a lot of capability on the AI inference um, side um, in you know, their current portfolio and then additive to the AMD portfolio. So uh, I think you'll see a much broader set of offerings from us um, in AI as uh, you know, we start talking about you know, sort of the broader product roadmaps. And maybe, Victor, you want to give some more? Yeah, I mean, like we've been... Uh we have this AI engine that uh, is already deployed in production in a number of embedded applications and endpoints um, in also edge devices like in cars, you know, doing a lot of image recognition, all kinds of uh, inference applications. And that same architecture can be scaled and brought into the CPU uh, product portfolio. And as we've uh, alluded to, that is exactly our plan. Um, we're also, a moment ago, there was a discussion about software. We're absolutely working on the unified overall software to enable the broad portfolio, but also uh, especially in AI. So you'll hear more about that at the Financial Analyst Day, but we're definitely going to be leaning in on AI, um, both inference and training, and I would say end-to-end -end because we have endpoints, we have edge devices, both you know, computing and embedded devices and in the cloud and uh, enterprise. So we're very excited about that uh, revenue synergy opportunity, actually. Brett, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Laura. Yeah, just as a follow-up, in terms of um, AMD from a software monetization perspective, you, we're obviously seeing a big changes in, um, in, in the way you're addressing software. You're moving up the software stack to a high level of abstraction. Um, is, is this somewhere you think, you know, over the, over the next two or three years, will you, do you plan to, to charge for software? And can you share with us maybe how we might think about AMD as a, as a, as a software business going forward? Thank you. Yeah, I think Brett, you know, we have, um, you know, maybe it's a broader conversation about our overall, you know, software strategy. But as Victor mentioned, um, the you know unified software capabilities around AI are very, very important. Um, we also have, with the acquisition of Pensando, uh, you know, they have a very strong software, um, you know, team and effort um, around their DPUs and you know what we can do there. So I think, you know, as a as a total, you should see us um, investing a lot more in software. And then in terms of you know, the monetization and stuff, you know, I think we can, um, you know, address that more as we think about the overall solution space um, that, uh, that we'll be offering across all of these compute engines. And again, you know, much more uh, great conversation that we can have as, uh, as we come into our um, Financial Analyst Day in, uh, in June. Thank you, Lisa. And as a reminder to everyone on the call, our Financial Analyst Day will be on Thursday, June the 9th. We look forward to having you there. We'll also be webcast from our website. And thank you to everyone for your participation in today's earnings call. As always, we appreciate your support of our company and look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you and take care. Thank you. That does conclude today's teleconference and webcast. You may disconnect your line at this time and have a wonderful day. We thank you for your participation today.